that's a cheery way to begin the morning, isn't it? Yeah. Good morning, everybody. Uh, that that gets, kind of gets you in the back to school. I, <laughs> that's been floating around social media. This poor reporter asked this little kindergartner, are you excited to go back to school? He says, yes. Are you going to miss your mom? Do you ask that to a kindergartner on their first day, the first time they've been away? Like, I just feel terrible for that reporter. Imagine her going back to the studio and everybody's like, so how did the interview go with the kid? You know, like, oh my word, just terrible. The reality is everybody's kind of in this back to school uh, mindset. And uh, the reality is this time of year comes a lot of different emotions. If you're a little kid and you've never been away from mom and dad before, well, then you're probably going to have a reaction like that. Maybe uh, for parents, uh, your reaction is maybe you're sitting here today and you have an absolute sigh of relief and you are like partying uh, because the kids have gone to KQ now. We can say that, right? Uh, uh, not a bad thing. We, we love our kids, but sometimes we just need a little break and maybe that's for you as parents. For those of you that are kids, if you're like me, the beginning of the school, I just dreaded the beginning of school because I actually had to get up before noon now. Uh, it was just, you know, rough. And now that we have two kids, I wonder if I'm ever going to sleep in past 7.30. So that's just like, 7.30 is like sleeping in. Parents, amen. You know what I mean? Like you just feel that. Um, and, but it was kind of the end of what just seemed like an endless summer and so much fun and the warm weather and vacations. And now I have to set my alarm and I have to get up and go to school. It's so amazing how kids respond differently uh, depending on their age and where they're at in their journey to going back to school. I was getting out of my car uh, earlier this week at our West Des Moines uh, campus for our kind of all hope staff meeting. And I was driving up and it's like the children and family entrance, which is also where uh, the preschool is. And so you just see like this long train uh, of minivans and cars and suburbans just letting droves of kids out. And I just stood there and from my perspective, all I saw was van drive out, the, the teacher comes out to get them. That's kind of how they do it. The teacher comes out to greet them. And then I just see these kids like flying through midair with their backpack on, like jumping out of the van going, wow, like that, like just ready to go to school. I'm just like, Wow, things really change as you grow up, as you get excited or not excited about school. Just the kid, like, literally bouncing out of the van with their backpacks, you know, that, what do they have in them? Glue and a couple pens? Like, what do you need? Uh, trapper Keeper. Do you remember Trapper Keepers? And, and, and they just come, the, the backpack's like twice the size of some of these kids. It's so heavy and it's weighting them down, but they're so excited. They, like, shoot out of the van like a cannon because they're so excited to grow. They're so excited to learn. They're so excited to be there. And so they just come out, wow! And it got me thinking of how that changes over the years. You think about that preschool kid or that kindergartner sitting in class and when attendance is taken. So let's just, you know, every story I tell, the person is little Johnny. That's so like, you're a little, little Johnny and they're taking attendance. Uh, let's see, is little Johnny here? Wow! I'm here! I'm so excited! Ah! I'm only here for three hours, but wow! And they're just so excited. And then you kind of flash forward to third grade and you're still like, woo! And then you fast forward to junior high and you're like, little Johnny, here, right? And then you flash forward to like being a senior in high school and you're like, little Johnny, what up? <laughs> right? And then you flash forward to college and you're like, where's Johnny, right? <laughs> He's not even there, right? He's sleeping in. Like, our posture changes, right? How do we go from wow to, yeah, I guess I'm here, but I'm not really excited to be here. Something shifts in us, and I wonder what happened to their posture. I was teaching a class at um, 
Mercy Nursing College, they do a religion class, and I was like the token Lutheran guy, so I came in in a robe, cut my hair like Martin Luther, and I went, no, I'm just kidding. But I walked in, and I'm teaching this class, there's 12 nursing students, 12 college students, and nothing against Mercy, it's a great school and everything like that. They were bored out of their mind, and maybe it was just me, but I walked in there, and like some of them have their heads down, or they're sleeping, or they're like daydreaming, or throwing pencils up at the ceiling. I'm like, what happened from wow to ugh? Something shifted in their posture. And I just wonder, and I want to pose to you as we start this morning, as we kind of start a a brand new school year together for all of us, what is your posture towards learning and growing? If if you had a, a posture, like if you were a student, what would your posture be? Because the reality is, it's not just back to school for kids. It's not just back to school for teachers today. It's back to school for all of us. It's important to remember that for those of us that are Christians today, as we're following Jesus, our foundational identity, according to the New Testament, if you really want to know how the church started and what our identity is, it's to be disciples. And the way that that's talked about in the Gospels is this word methetes. Everybody say methetes. Methetes, and when Jesus is talking about his followers or his disciples, this is the word that is used and literally translates learner pupil or apprentice. So when you think I'm apprenticing somebody, what do you think about? That I'm just sitting listening to them talk? No, I'm modeling every aspect of my life after them. This word methetes, in case you're wondering, is used 268 times in the New Testament to describe followers of Jesus. The word Christian used three times. The word boring, stuffy, religious person Zero. So that gives you a picture of who we're called to be. To be a Christian is to be a follower, an apprentice, an all-in follower, student of Jesus. And so a person that's apprenticing Jesus is we're not just accumulating more facts and knowledge about him, although that's important. We're learning to look at every single aspect of our life and say, how would Jesus do that? What would Jesus ask me to do? Luke 6.40 puts it this way, and let's read this together nice and loud up on the screen. This is what Jesus talks about. The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. So when we're fully trained, when we, when we grow into maturity, again, we're not looking for perfection, we're just looking for progress as disciples, we're gonna be like their teacher. We're gonna be like Jesus. So if you think about that, A disciple, no matter what you've been brought up with or maybe what you've heard, if we go back to the basics, a disciple and their maturity is not measured by how much information they know, how many groups or programs that you've attended over the years, how young or how old you are, or how long you've been going to church. In the school system, our maturity, our growth is measured by what grade you're in and what grades you get and what degrees you get. For following Jesus, discipleship or spiritual growth is measured by one question. Does my life look more and more like the person of Jesus today than it did yesterday, this week than it did last week, this month than it did last month? Does my life look more and more like Jesus and am I teaching others to do The same, it makes you stop and think that it may be possible for you and I to be full-time church attendees and part-time disciples. 
let that sink in for a second. To be full-time churchgoers and yet part-time disciples. It's easy, it's so easy to get off track. So what is the goal of going to school with Jesus? If I had, if I had a whole bunch of desks up here and I said, come on up, we're going to go to school with Jesus, I'd be a little off track because Jesus' school isn't in a classroom with desks. Jesus' classroom is your life. Not just on Sunday mornings, but would you believe that Jesus is speaking to you and he wants to teach you on your way to work on Tuesday morning? Jesus wants to teach you when you're, when you're home with your kids, if that's what you do. He wants to teach you things right in the middle of the day. In those moments of, of I just can't be patient. <laughs> on your way to work, in the shower, getting ready in the morning, when you're dealing with your coworker, when you're with your friends, Jesus' classroom is always open. And what is the goal of Jesus's classroom. If I'm a pre-med student, what class should be pretty foundational as I'm going to undergrad? If I'm a pre-med student, what class should I take? Biology, right? You should probably know a little bit about the human body and how everything works, right? Well, in Jesus's school, the, the, the basics, the, the foundational pieces of what it means to follow Jesus, I like to draw with a shape. And some of you have seen this before, but it's a good Reminder, when we look at the life of Jesus, it can be characterized by these three words. Up, everybody say up. up. Everybody say in. in. Everybody say out. Up, in, and out. In other words, to follow Jesus is to live a three-dimensional kind of life. A three-dimensional kind of life. And I don't know about you, but sometimes we learn by doing, not just by looking. So everybody shake your hands out like this, and we're going to do some actions for them. Everybody go up. Everybody kind of like you're a, a DJ and go in, yeah. and everybody go out. Some of you are too cool for school. Don't be too cool. Let's try it one more time. Everybody do it with me. Up. up. Everybody go in. Yeah. Everybody go out. Yeah. All right. We're doing a little hand jive. That was kind of fun. Awesome. Cool. So uh, up, in, and out. When we look at the life of Jesus, he had three loves, an upward dimension with God, an inward dimension with those around him, and an outward dimension to the world around him. I apologize to all you can't see that, but you'll be able to see it up on the screen here in just a second. So first of all, what does it look like to go to school with Jesus? How do we get reconnected and make sure that we're on the right track in Jesus' school? What does that mean? So the first one is this upward dimension. Jesus had this constant intimacy with God. There is an upward dimension Jesus was living in constant conversation with God. He was constantly growing in that way, and he was constantly listening to God and then applying it. Listening to God and then applying it. That's called discipleship. Jesus was following his father. He even said, I don't do anything that the father hasn't told me to do. So my first question for you in your upward dimension, are you hearing from God today? And if you are, what are you doing about it? Those are the two questions that every disciple needs to be asking as you read your Bible. What is God telling me to do, and what am I doing about it? Yeah, I just read a great book about prayer. Are you praying? Yeah, I just read this great book about Jesus and the disciples, and it was a profile, and all this biblical history and context and background information. That's great. Are you making disciples? Oh, no, I was just reading the book. We have to be very careful that we're listening and applying. That's the upward dimension, but it didn't stop there. Everybody say in. Yeah. Jesus had an inward dimension. He chose 12, and even within those 12 guys, he chose three, Peter, James, and John, that were his inner circle, and he poured his life into these guys. Jesus himself, being fully human, gives us this great crystal clear example. Life 
is way too short to be lived alone. Some of you are lonely today. Some of you are headed back into this school year and you do not have an inward dimension to your life. If I said it's three o'clock in the morning and your marriage is on the rocks, who are you calling? Uh, my golfing buddies? People I go drinking with? People I kind of sip coffee with and have surface level conversations with at worship? That doesn't cut it. We're looking for real life relationships. That's what the church can provide if you'll let it. Is there an inward dimension to your life? Do you have friends? Do you have community? Jesus himself knew that. And finally, there is an outward dimension. Everybody say out. Although Jesus was focused up and in with the people around him, there was an external focus to his life. Jesus even said, the reason I came was to seek and save the lost. Was to seek and save the lost. That was the trajectory of Jesus' life. He's constantly pursuing people that don't know God's love. And right in the middle of it, we can't forget, is worship. That's kind of the non-negotiable, is worship. Jesus was constantly in the synagogue. Jesus was constantly in conversation with his father. His life was an act of worship. You do know that worship isn't Sunday morning singing songs, right? When the Bible talks about worship, it's about every aspect of your life to God. I want to give glory to God with every single aspect of my life. So if you have a decision to make, this is just an aside, if you're ever struggling with your, a decision, the first question you ask is, does the fruit does the results of that decision ultimately point people to Jesus? Does it give glory to God? Okay? That's a, that's a really easy way to think about that. So this is not only like following Jesus 101. This is the master's degree. Some people say, John, you've drawn that triangle for us before, and I just, that's kind of like elementary stuff. I, I'm, I'm ready to something deeper. And I think, what could be deeper than loving people so well that they want to know Jesus? What could be deeper than kind of having the kind of friends that tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear? What could be deeper than sitting alone in the silence of your room and hearing the voice of God speak to you? I don't know what's deeper than that. When we start loving our enemies as we love ourselves, then we'll go deeper. <laughs> and this is for me too. I am convicted by this. So my question for you is when you look at that, what is the weakest dimension of your walk with God? What are the weaker dimensions? What are the stronger dimensions? I'll, I'll try to make it a little bit easier for you. Another way of thinking about this is the way that we talk about it here at Hope Des Moines is that disciples of Jesus in this inward dimension were always connecting, and you'll see this up on the slide, we're always connecting we're always growing, we're always serving, and we're always worshiping. Everybody say connect. Yeah. Everybody say grow. grow. Everybody say serve. serve. And worship is just sort of the duh, the non-negotiable, right? Of those four pieces of worship, connect, grow, serve, which one do you need to grow in as a follower of Jesus? Not just, oh, I'm just going to kind of pick and choose, you know, because when I go to school, I kind of like to pick what classes I like. And so, you know, I just, I grew up with a certain style of Christianity, and, and, and that's just serving and reaching out and sharing my faith. That's just kind of outside of my comfort zone. You know, I just kind of like it to be safe and comfortable in the way that I want it, and Christianity is just more of a private thing to me. 
that's not the three-dimensional life that Jesus shows us. If we're going to be apprentices of Jesus, we model every aspect of our life. Not just the one that you grew up with the most, not just where you're comfortable, but every aspect. Now, you look at that, some of you might say, oh, you know what, I really like this upward dimension, the growing, I love to pray and read my Bible, but the danger is we start thinking that Christianity is you alone in your room with nobody else keeping you accountable in front of your computer screen, listening or watching to some sermons online and saying, I'm good to go for the week. And that's what we boiled church down to. That's what you've boiled the adventure of following Jesus down to. I I need more information about you. I want some deeper sermons. I want some deeper Bible studies. And after a while, doesn't that just get empty? Like it just leaves you going, what's the point? My head is full of information. Awesome. Who have I loved this week? Who have I served this week? But the same danger exists, not just if you only do the upward dimension. For some of you, like, I'm an in-person. I love people. I'm an extrovert. I'm in seven Bible studies. I'm in eight small groups, whatever it is. I've heard somebody that was in four at the same time. That's insane. Wow. Uh, Anyway, it's easy to get so focused on the inward dimension that we think, I've got my small group. We've had the same five people for the last 72 years. I'm comfortable. One of the best small groups I ever went to had an empty chair every week in their circle, and they were praying about who that person was that they were going to pray about and invite in the next week. Every week they did that. Because it's very easy when we get comfortable to say, I'm comfortable, thus that's the point, and we can turn into a holy huddle. I'm happy everybody's here. Some of you are like, no, 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 see, it's really all about serving. It's really all about putting everything into action. And the danger there is if we're only in this one dimension, it's very easy to get burnt out. It's very easy to think that God's number one desire for us as a disciple is to be busy. If I'm just on six committees and in four small groups and serve, 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 that's what Jesus wants. And Jesus says, what about that whole like be still and know that I am God part? What about community? Some of you have just jumped headfirst into serving and you get a couple months into it and you're just empty. And you're like, wait a minute. I thought this was the Christian thing to do. The Christian thing to do is to love yourself first. Is to take care of yourself. That your body is a temple. Not just go, 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 go. So the question is, of those four things, I'm not even going to touch worship because that's just a non-negotiable. Duh, you're here, right? There's nowhere else that you should be on a Sunday morning. This is the most important thing you could be doing. But of those dimensions, which area is your weakest? Just be honest. Just, you don't have to raise your hand or anything. Just think. Up, in, out. What is your weakest dimension? Maybe you've had nobody, nobody's challenged you on that recently. Isn't it easy to just kind of float down the lazy river as a Christian? Oh, I'm going to go to worship another week. I'm going to go to my Bible study. You ever think about why you're doing what you're doing? You're allowing God to fill you up. Are you getting out of your comfort zone? Which ones need a little bit more attention? And so we're actually going to give you an opportunity to do that today. Go ahead and pull out that brochure that I talked about earlier. I'm not just going to talk about it in abstract terms. This brochure is broken down into worship, connect, grow, serve. Very rarely, but once in a while, I'll have somebody come to me and say, John, I'm so confused. There's all these things going on at Hope and Falls, a really busy time, and how do I plug in? 
how do I get to know some people? I'm new to the church. I've been coming for a while. What do I do? <laughs> how do I get started? And my best answer to that is look at this and pray about it. Look at this and pray about it. There's some awesome opportunities and it's broken down into worship, connect, grow, and serve. And so as followers of Jesus, we want to be doing each of those in some way all the time. It's not like, well, I'm going to take a month or two off from worshiping. <laughs> this isn't really a season right now for community. Are you kidding? You were created for it, right? So as you look at this list of things, I just want to highlight a few for you. Worship, you're here. We want you here for worship every single week. Not because we, oh, then we have more numbers. It's because you were created for it. You're not the same without it. Secondly, new member class coming up in a couple weeks. We'd love for you to check that out. Register for that. Life groups. If you come here on a Sunday morning and you feel like, I don't know anybody, jump into a group. There are dozens of them throughout the week, literally dozens. Group launch, if you don't know and want to just come and meet some other people, September 30th, group launch. Great idea for that. Couples, date night is coming up. Grow, community night starts at the beginning of October. Uh, financial peace, pastor's Bible study if you want to go deeper. Let prayer change your life if you want to learn more about prayer. And then Andy mentioned Core and Alpha. I would encourage you to start with Core and Alpha. If you don't know where to start, come here on Sunday nights and we'll get you plugged in. If you don't know where to start, start somewhere. If you don't know what first step to take, take one step. Whatever you do, just don't stay where you're at. And then last but not least, you've heard us talking about all these opportunities to serve. Where you serve will feel like family. We talked about Hope Kids. We've talked about all these teams that we have. We talked about need for children's help, about nursery help, but we're also doing this program called Whiz Kids on Thursday nights. We're reaching out to kids here in the neighborhood, a mentoring program. Breakfast Club is busting at the seams up here, and they could use more help, especially bus drivers. Over 100 people need a ride to worship here every single week. Whiz Kids, we talked about that. People to help here around the building. The list goes on and on and on and on. It's waiting for you. This is not a brochure. This is how, where we're going as a church. The bus is leaving. And if you want to get on board with where God's taken Hope Des Moines this fall, hop on the bus and find your seat. Why? So we can have more numbers in our groups and programs? No, so you don't miss the joy. So you don't miss the joy. I don't want you to miss out on what God is going to do here this fall. So jump in. This is the time. And if you're saying, you know, this really isn't a good season... I guess the best answer I have to that is, when is going to be a good season? I don't know about you, but my life certainly hasn't slowed down. It just keeps getting faster and faster. So if we don't intentionally say, this is who I'm called to be, my number one job in life is to follow Jesus. And I'm going to put those things into my schedule, and everything else I'm going to build around that. Now, I'm not going to fill my schedule and then try to squeak Jesus in. I'm going to start there this fall as I'm building my schedule with my family, and I'm going to tell my kids, this is who I am. I'm a follower of Jesus, and in this house, we follow Jesus, and that's what we're going to do. How are you worshiping? How are you connecting, growing, and serving? Then we'll add in the other things to the calendar. I don't want you to miss the joy. What is your posture toward following Jesus? When you look at that list, when you look at who Jesus has called you to be, some of you today, I guarantee it, you're just gunners and you're going to be like that kindergarten kid jumping off the bus. Wow! Sign me up! I want to join up! Some of you are going to be like the fifth grader. Woo! Some of you are going to be like the junior high kid. 
small groups. Bah. Some of you just aren't even there. And this is my challenge to you. If you've been away for a while, if you've been disconnected, and following Jesus sort of seems like a little pilot light to you this morning, maybe it's time to go back to school with Jesus and learn who you were created to be and let the God of the universe fan that flame with a giant blowtorch and set you on fire for Jesus. Amen? Not next week, not when life slows down, not when the kids are out of school, not when things slow down at work, now, because this isn't a should I go to church or not, should I connect, should I grow, should I serve, it's this is who I am, this is my foundational identity, and so I'm just going to live into who I am. Because it seems like, for those of you that maybe your posture is a little bit more like the junior high or high school student, and you're looking at that going, ugh. I don't know about you, but when I talk to people that I trust, when I look at mentors in my life, people that have been following Jesus for a long time, you'd think, oh, they've got it made. It'd be so easy to have that been there, done that attitude. And yet when I talk to mentors, when I talk to people that I trust and look up to, it's like the longer they follow Jesus, the more they're desperate for weekly worship. It's like the more community they have, the more they realize how much they need it. It's like the more they grow and follow Jesus, the more they pray and read scripture, they're like, I have to have this. It's like bread and water every day. And the more they serve, they realize if I'm not giving, if I'm not serving, life's just all about me and it gets really dry and boring really quick. These are people that have been following Jesus for 15, 20, 25, 30, 40 years. And they're saying, I have so much to learn. And I just want to challenge you this morning. Is the posture of your heart, that's cool. Cool brochure. Awesome. Go be the church. Somebody else will do it. All of a sudden, I'm like a California beach bomb or something. Hey, dude. Be the church, dude. Or is the posture of your heart, oh man, I have so much to learn. I have so many areas in my life that I just need Jesus to touch and set on fire. And Jesus, I want you more than I want anything else this school year. I want you. I want to follow you. I want you to take that pilot light and I want you to set it on fire. What is the posture of your heart this morning? Posture changes everything and nobody knows that more than the tax collector in our reading today. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke 18. We're going to camp out there just for a little bit. Luke chapter 18 in the scripture that we heard read this morning. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Notice how this story starts. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. In other words, to those who think that they maybe have this Christianity thing figured out, <laughs> to those who think that they don't need any help, to those who are pretty confident, I've got my priorities in line, to those who have maybe gotten a little comfortable in their spirituality, Jesus tells this story. Have I got your attention? I think that's all of us. Jesus told a story. Instead of me telling you the story, sometimes I just imagine when I read scripture, and I hope you do too, what would it have been like to actually be there? 
What is it like to hear these words of Scripture and to look into Jesus' eyes and to, to hear and to feel and to see his passion and his love for you to get this? And so as you watch this story, imagine that you are the tax collector that Jesus is calling out. Let's take a look. I don't know if you saw the look in that tax collector's eyes. But some of you are here this morning and you're saying, that's me. I'm the one that's ashamed of my past. I'm the one that often wonders, I don't even know if I believe in God. I don't even know if I can do this Jesus disciple thing. I don't even know if Jesus could use somebody like me after everything that I've done. That's exactly what he's wondering. And Jesus takes him, and I want you to imagine him looking you in the eyes with those eyes of compassion this morning, and he takes your hand and he grabs you and he says, I want you to follow me because I believe in you, because I, I, I see the posture of your heart, that he beat his chest and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, that's who I want. I don't need the people that are all polished. I don't need the people that think that they have it all together. I don't need the people that say, oh, I can just skip a month of worship because I'm fine because I followed Jesus my whole life. Jesus wants to know, are you hungry this morning? Are you desperate for him? Those are the types of people I'm looking for. Are, are, you, are you beat up? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on Christianity? Jesus says, good, I want you to follow me. Come follow me, Jesus says, and I want to give you rest. I want to show you a real life. I want to light pilot light. I want to light it on fire again. You can have that kind of life back, Jesus says. Don't get so comfortable. Don't just get so settled in, Jesus says, like the Pharisee, that you forget what church is supposed to be about. This isn't a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. Amen? Look a little deeper into this story. Maybe it's not just about a Pharisee and a tax collector. Maybe it's about you, and maybe it's about your heart. It is so easy to take for granted the opportunity that we have to follow Jesus. Some of us have been in the church for a long time and we forget the absolute honor and privilege it is to live up in and out, to worship every single week. And nobody knows that more deeply than a young pastor in southern Ethiopia, that's in Africa, named Tedessa. This story was told recently, of, uh, told by Wes Stafford, who used to be the executive director of Compassion International that helps kids and sponsors kids all over the world that are in poverty and teaches them about Jesus and shares God's love. And Wes spent some time in, in these developing countries in Ethiopia, and he tells a story that one time the, the, the Ethiopian church was being persecuted, and any pastor was being sent to the electric chair. And he told this story that he ran into this pastor, this 20-something pastor named Tedessa, that had just come from having his life threatened twice. They tried to electrocute him twice, and as he's praying on the electric chair, the electric chair breaks twice, and they just give up, and they let him go. And he's walking through the desert by himself, and Wes Stafford's van comes up, their Jeep comes up, and he starts walking with me. He says, where are you going? And Tedessa says, I'm going to preach and share the gospel at my friend's funeral that was just killed, that was being persecuted. And so they start having this conversation. And in the conversation, Wes relayed to Tedessa that 
He wanted them to know that Christians in the West, Christians in America, were praying for them because they are being persecuted. And Tedessa responded, oh, thank you, but we're praying for you. West was kind of taken back, asked, really? (laughs) What do you, Ethiopians, church that has nothing, pray for the American church for? And Tedessa said, the Ethiopian church's suffering is severe, but it's not nearly the suffering that you're experiencing. He said, due to the pressure and the persecution, the Ethiopian church prays all day long. And Tedessa told Wes, I said, I I have actually heard that it is possible that Christians in America do not pray all day long, and sometimes they go a whole day without praying. And this boggled his mind. And Tedessa said, as the church, we risk our lives every week to gather together because we realize we need each other so much. I I have heard that that in America there might be several churches in the same area where people can come and go in freedom as they please. And on a nice day, that these churches in America, that people will not choose to go to them, but instead they will have a, what do you call it, a picnic? I I have heard these things about the church in America. He said, you must know that uh, our congregation has one Bible to share because if we're caught with it, we'll all be killed. We have one Bible to share. So what he said I did is I ripped the Bible up and I gave all the different pages to all the different members of my church. And when we worship and when it's time for the scripture reading and it's time for the Gospel of Matthew chapter 10, verse 14, somebody stands up and says, that's me but they don't use the page because they've memorized it because that's all they have. And they know that verse very well. And and, and finally, Tedessa said, I hear that, that, that people in America have not just one, but two, but three, but four Bibles, and they don't even use them. They're, they're sitting on their, their shelves, and, and, and that they would go a whole day without reading God's precious word to us. In my village, Tedessa concluded, We are so desperate to be together. We're so desperate to experience the Bible. We have to gather together if we're going to hear God's word because somebody else has the page I want to read. So we have to come together. And he said because of that, people are so passionate about Jesus because he's transformed their life that to get a seat inside our little village church, people, the crowd would spill out into the countryside with the church, normally in 100 degree heat, and you have to come two to three hours early to church to get a seat, and yet people do it because they're desperate for Jesus. So we will be praying for your church there in America. And so we kind of look at the brochure today and we say, yeah, I could probably do that. In fact, I am going to do that. I'm going to ask God where he's calling me this fall and I'm going to respond in obedience. Don't ever forget the amazing opportunity that we have to worship to study God's word together, to serve the least of these in the city of Des Moines. It's the posture of our heart that changes everything, just like the Pharisee and the tax collector. One heart is open and one heart is closed to God. What's your posture today? One heart says, I'm fine. 
I'm good. And one heart says, if I don't have Jesus, I got nothing. Lord, I need you. Never forget the gift that this invitation is to follow Jesus. We have to understand the privilege and honor that it is that Jesus would come to us and say, I believe that you can become like me. And I'm going to take your hand right now and let's go back to school together. Never forget, never forget the opportunity that we have. It's a gift of grace. It reminds me of this story, and I'll I'll close with this today. This past week, I received quite possibly one of the greatest gifts that I have ever received, and my wife, from my wife, and she reminded me that it was an anniversary, birthday, Christmas, and Valentine's Day gift all in one. Tiffany surprised me with some tickets, this incredible gift, and not just any tickets, tickets to God's country, to Iowa City for a certain few football games this year. Folks, I married up, amen? (laughs) I married up. And I'm really pumped because we haven't gone for several years, at least not together, and so this whole week I've been thinking about the times that I've spent at Kinnick Stadium before, remembering all the memories from last time and and everything, I'm just like gearing up for it because we're going to go here in a couple weeks. And and what ran through my my mind is not just the atmosphere, the excitement, or the thrilling winds. What I remember is one super fan, and we'll call him Tim. The game starts a couple years ago. This is our last time at Kinnick, and I remember... The day starts pretty normal. It's a beautiful fall day and we're pretty jazzed and so we do some tailgating and we get all decked out and we find our seats and my wife just looks smoking in Hawkeye gear. Let me just say that. Um, And we find our seats and we're getting into the game and for the most part, we're in our own little world. We're just kind of observing the day and about a quarter of the way in, I, I can't focus on the game anymore because all I can look at is this super fan that's to our left. We're like way up in the nosebleed section, right? And he's way up there. He's obviously all by himself. And he's a middle-aged man. He's definitely in some more worn Hawkeye gear. It's not him. It was close, but you could tell it was kind of tattered and maybe from the 80s and just worn out a little bit. And he's got a crank radio. Remember those? Like to keep it going, to keep the battery power going. So he's like watching the game going, woo! And he was like this before the game started. Woo! Warm-ups! And he's like cranking the radio like, I gotta, I gotta get, my, get my 1040 WHO Hawkeye game. And he's just cranking this thing because he wants to hear the play-by-play. He doesn't want to miss a single moment. And it's pressed to his ear. And, and, and I thought I was loving the atmosphere at Kinnick Stadium. I just look in the eye in his eyes even before the game started. He was jumping up and down and clapping and cheering. It's like he was just soaking in every moment. And he just the thing was he didn't have anybody to share it with. And so the game goes on and it's a pretty exciting game. And we get to the fourth quarter and I was up by quite a bit and so people are starting to leave. And I I'm so busy focused on the game, but we just keep watching him and I <laughs> I never stopped watching him being in awe of being there. And then my incredibly smart and tender-hearted wife, as I'm focused on football, leans over and whispers in my ear, I wonder if this was his big dream. I wonder if this was his big dream. 
And I turn and I look at Tim, Hawkeye superfan, cranking his radio. Woo! Pretty much everybody around him is either cleared out or this. Not even really soaking it in, not really watching the game. And I just, <laughs> I started to weep. And here's Tim cranking that radio, not wanting to miss a single moment of it. It's like he's cherishing every moment as a gift. And I just started to make up this story in my mind of like, I wonder if he's been planning for this day for years. I, I wonder if he's been preparing for months. I wonder if he just saved for months and months and months to be able to buy this ticket to be in the nosebleed section. And he's going crank, 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 wow! And then I thought about my week of planning or lack of planning leading up to this holy moment. And I'm so busy and my schedule's so full. And I didn't have any time to like enjoy the ride or enjoy the process of getting ready to go to the game with my wife or even plan the trip. And I'm thinking about all the fans that have clearly left or are on their cell phones or went somewhere else that for some reason maybe think that they deserved to be there. And here's Tim. I don't want to miss a single moment. But not Tim. Tim got it. And just like the tax collector and just like Tedessa, the Ethiopian pastor, they got it. They knew that they had been invited in only by grace. And so this year, before we go to the game, I think I'm going to slow down. I think I'm going to soak it in. I think I'm going to enjoy the ride. I think I'm going I'm to remember the incredible gift that I've been given. I think I'm going to remember the invitation that I've been given. I'm going to soak it in. If not, I'm going to miss it. And I would invite you to do the same as we learn to follow Jesus. Don't miss the invitation. Don't miss the opportunities this fall that are just waiting for you. Just waiting for you. And it's something way bigger and way bigger and way bigger and way more exciting than a ticket to a Hawkeye game. It is the invitation to follow Jesus and to be known and loved by him every single day. It is the opportunity to be the church. Amen? What's your next step today? If you don't know where to start, take one step. Follow Jesus this fall. Number one, follow Jesus and be loved by him. Amen? Let's stand and pray together. Jesus, we admit to you that Sometimes we just lose track of what's most important. Life is so busy. Life is so fast. Life is so full of commitments that we just overlook the gospel. The fact that you have saved us for a reason. Not just to consume worship every week, God, but to follow you as your apprentices, as your disciples. What a gift to hear you say to us, I believe in you. I know about your past. I know the baggage that you drug in here today. 
and yet you say, I love you, I believe in you, and I want you to follow me this fall. God, I pray that we would slow down. I pray that we would look all around us and see what you're doing in the lives of people sitting next to us this morning. I pray that we would take time to be with you this week, to ask you, Jesus, what is my next step with you? That we would listen. That we would say, God, what are you telling me? And what next step am I going to take? Jesus, I thank you that you know every single one of us by name. That you call us by name. You call us out of wherever we are this morning to something so much more. To be full-time, all-in followers of you. Jesus, we love you, and we pray all of this in your name. And all God's people said, nice and loud together, amen, amen. amen. It's going to be a good year, amen? Go be the church. We'll see you next week.